a focused summary of chapters 49 through 51 of Pride and Prejudice. Two days after Mr. Bennett's return, Jane and Elizabeth hear from the housekeeper that a letter has arrived for him from Mr. Gardner. They rush to the library to learn what it says, and are told by the butler that they will find him walking in the woods. They run to join him, and panting for breath, ask what news the letter brings. He produces it from his pocket and lets them read it for themselves. In it, their uncle reports that he discovered Lydia and Wickham, unmarried, in London. But, if Mr. Bennet will agree to terms he has made with Wickham on his behalf, they will be married soon. He need only settle on Lydia her share of the £5,000 she is due to inherit after her parents' decease, and, while they are still living, give her £100 per annum. Mr. Gardner reassures him that Wickham will still have some money after his debts are discharged. As soon as Mr. Bennet sends his approval, they will be married at the Gardner's house at once. Jane naively concludes that Wickham was not so undeserving as they had thought him. Elizabeth is concerned only that Mr. Bennet not waste time and write back right away. But Mr. Bennet feels sure that Mr. Gardner must have spent a substantial sum to pay off Wickham's debts and persuade him to marry Lydia, and he wonders how he will ever pay him back. Mr. Bennet returns to the library to write, and Elizabeth is left alone with Jane to lament the meager victory of her sister's unhappy marriage to a wretched man. Jane comforts herself with the belief that Wickham would not have married Lydia if he did not feel a real regard for her, and she expresses trust that their mutual regard will steady them and lead them to live in a more rational manner. Elizabeth is far less trusting or forgiving. She is sure that her aunt and uncle have made great sacrifices for Lydia. She thinks Lydia and Wickham's conduct has been such as nobody can ever forget— and she believes that if Lydia is not miserable now, she will never deserve to be happy. It then occurs to the sisters that they ought to make what has happened known to their mother. They find Mrs. Bennet in the company of Mary and Kitty, and are able, therefore, to tell them all at once. At the news that Lydia is to be married, Mrs. Bennet can hardly contain her joy. Her violent delight is undisturbed by any fears for Lydia's happiness or recollections of her misconduct. Elizabeth tries to temper her mother's enthusiasm by leading her to understand their debt to Mr. Gardner. But Mrs. Bennet only declares that it was right he should help her. She then proceeds to the more pressing matter of the wedding clothes. She calls on Lydia to order the carriage so that she can spread the good news around town. Elizabeth takes refuge in her own room, where she has the freedom to think. Upon reflection, she is thankful that as bad as things might be, Two hours before, they had feared far worse. More than ever, Mr. Bennet wishes he had done a better job laying aside a sum for the provision of his family. If he had, the satisfaction of bribing a worthless man to marry his daughter could have fallen to him rather than his brother-in-law. When he first married, it seemed useless to economize, since they would surely have a son. Five daughters later, it was too late to be saving. In terms of grateful acknowledgment, though expressed concisely, Mr. Bennet delivers on paper his perfect willingness to fulfill all the engagements Mr. Gardner has made for him. 
The arrangement was hardly an inconvenience, since the hundred a year to be paid to Lydia amounted to little more than the continual presence and money that had always passed to her through her mother's hands. It had been another welcome surprise that it would all be done with so little exertion on his side, since once his first transports of rage had subsided, he returned to his former indolence. For the first time in a fortnight, Mrs. Bennet again takes her seat at the head of her table in a spirit of triumph untainted by shame. She cares only that her goal of seeing a daughter married is on the point of accomplishment, and she thinks only about how to get her properly situated in her new life. Mr. and Mrs. Bennet find themselves in conflict. While Mrs. Bennet cannot bear the idea of Lydia living more than ten miles away, Mr. Bennet declares that she will never again set foot in Longbourn. While Mrs. Bennet wishes her to have all the privileges that attend nuptials, Mr. Bennet refuses to advance a guinea to buy her wedding clothes. Elizabeth regrets that in the distress of the moment she told Mr. Darcy of her fears for her sister, now that she might have concealed the unfavorable beginning of their marriage from those who were not on the spot. She has confidence in his secrecy but there is no one else whose knowledge of it would mortify her as much, even though she has given up hope that he might have connected himself with her family under any circumstances. She is grieved to find herself finally convinced she could have been happy with him, just when it is no longer likely that they should meet. She has come to realize that he is the sort of man that would most suit her. She might have softened his manners, and he would have improved her understanding of the world. In Mr. Gardner's next letter, he replies to Mr. Bennet's acknowledgments, says he was happy to help, and asks that the subject never be mentioned again. He reports that he has persuaded Mr. Wickham to leave the militia and join a regiment in the North where they can start their life anew. He says he has asked Wickham to give in all his debts so that his creditors can be satisfied. And he adds that they have asked to visit Longbourn before they leave the South. Mrs. Bennet is the only one of the family who suffers disappointment at the news that Lydia will be removed from Hertfordshire. Lydia's request to be admitted to her family before making her way to the north is at first soundly refused by her father. But Jane and Elizabeth gently persuade him that she should be noticed on her marriage by her parents. Their mother is merely gratified that she will have a chance to show her married daughter in the neighborhood before she is banished from the county. It is settled that Lydia and Wickham will visit Longbourn as soon as the ceremony is over, and though Elizabeth thinks it is right, to see Wickham is the last thing she personally would wish. The wedding day arrives, and Jane is wretched in the thought of what Lydia must endure. When the family assembles in the breakfast room to receive them, Jane and Elizabeth are anxious, their father looks grave, and their mother is all smiles. But Lydia runs in carefreely, and is welcomed by their mother with rapture. To Wickham, who follows behind her, Mrs. Bennet gives her hand and an affectionate smile. Wickham appears smugly assured of their happiness. Mr. Bennet's reception is not so cordial. Elizabeth is disgusted, Jane shocked. Lydia unabashedly demands their congratulations. Wickham seems no more distressed than herself, and Elizabeth concludes that there is no limit to his impudence. Lydia's blithe boasting, as she talks about showing off her ring to the neighbors and tells Jane she is now to take her place, is unbearable to Elizabeth, 
and she runs out of the room. It becomes clear that time will not give Lydia the embarrassment from which she had been free at first. When they return to the breakfast room, she talks of how all her sisters must go to Brighton to get husbands. Elizabeth thanks her, but says she does not particularly like her way of getting them. Their visitors are to remain only ten days, and no one but Mrs. Bennet regrets their stay will be so short. Elizabeth's observations confirm her expectations that Lydia was much fonder of Wickham than he was of her. She concludes he eloped with her only because he was forced to flee his circumstances and couldn't resist bringing a companion. One morning, soon after their arrival, Lydia insists, against Elizabeth's wishes, on giving an account of her wedding— At one point, she mentions that her uncle was called away, and she worried that they wouldn't be married all day without him there, to give her away. But then she recalled that if he couldn't come back, Mr. Darcy would do just as well. In utter amazement at the mention of his name, Elizabeth repeats, Mr. Darcy? Lydia then catches herself, saying it was to be a secret that he was there. Jane assures her that if it is a secret, she will seek no further information and Elizabeth reluctantly echoes the sentiment. The only way to prevent herself from asking questions is to put it out of her power by running away. But she cannot bear to live in ignorance of why Mr. Darcy had been at her sister's wedding, so she seizes a piece of paper and writes to her aunt for an explanation, if she is at liberty to give it. She assures her aunt that if it must remain a secret, she will endeavor to be satisfied with ignorance— But, to herself, she says that if her aunt cannot tell her honorably, she will have to resort to tricks to find it out. 